As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM or your favorite podcasting website or possibly CFRU.ca through the archive service, which is functional. Nice way to put it. It works, I believe. I haven't done anything on there in a while. I think I listened to a show a little while ago just to double check that uh, it exists or the date on it. Anyway, Android's Dungeon is a show about games tabletop games, specifically board games, but uh, I guess we can rope in some other more generic, uh, I guess arguably the most popular tabletop game of all time. Uh, I am Jack, and I am joined by... It's me, JJB. It's him, JJB. Joel? The DM of the century. DM of the century, because we we keep wanting to talk about it, but I think we get bogged down. So rather yeah. than somehow forget to talk about it, We'll we'll bring it up uh, immediately. Um, Maybe today, B. What, what was that? Maybe today, B. I've never heard that before. I I, <laughs> I guess it's okay. Maybe uh, for good reason. Yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs> I'm not. I'm uncomfortable. Uh, Joel, what are you even playing recently? <clears throat> I played like the hot new game in twenty. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> The Apparently hot it's the hottest game. So hot I can't even talk about it. Yeah, without spicy. Burning myself. <laughs> and what's and what's that, Joel? This game taking the world by storm. Uh huh. Probably. I see some spieldiars in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like you're about to be very mean to something. The game is poetry for Neanderthals. It's kind of a cool name, but it almost sounds like uh, the title of a book that uh, you would have heard about when you're in university <laughs> that some girl you liked read, and you were like, oh man, it poetry for board game geek. I'm trying to search <laughs> it, and it's just like a whole bunch of other links. All right. Well, I think, uh, I, think I know what it's going to be about, just on the title alone, but uh, what's there the premise of it? 7.2. Wow, it's pretty high. Which is robbed, really. It should be, a, it should be just a 10 from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a one out of five for complexity and right. it comes with its own inflatable bat i mean what more do you want from a game wait 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 i'm i'm okay keep going that's right there is a no stick you blow it up and the other team somebody from the other team gets to hold this no stick yeah and <laughs> you've played games like taboo before you know what? Everyone talks about these types of games. I can never remember what. So is taboo the thing where you're trying to get somebody to say a word, or they or yeah. they have to say something and they can't use that word? You have a list of words they're not allowed to say. Yeah. So this is similar. <coughs> you're dying, Joel. Are you all right? <laughs> Give me a second. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll let you calm down for a second because immediately when you said inflatable bat and the title poetry for neanderthal I, I got excited thinking and a little disappointed based on that your 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 obvious wind up here because it was reminding me of a game that i've been trying to get my hands on for a while called ugtech uh which is 
FFG was the last person to publish it, but the premise is you've got, I don't know if it's two teams or one person is like the leader and they're this caveman and you've got this inflatable <laughs> bat and you're oh, trying yeah. to, you're trying to get them to build a, a structure basically, but you're the only one who knows how to build it and you can't tell them how to build it. So you're trying to get them to do it. And every time they screw up, you whack them with the bat. <laughs> no, they don't build any structures. That's too complicated. In this game, um, let's say, for example, you're trying to get somebody to guess the word vegetable. Mm -hmm. You'd say words related to vegetables, right? Yeah. But there's a rule. There's a couple rules. <laughs> the first one and the most fun and important one. And it is fun. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It is fun. We can try it out. Is that you're only allowed to use single syllable words. Okay. <laughs> So maybe you could say vegetable. You could say food. Okay. Food. Good, good food plant. You say good food plant. No meat. No okay. meat. Yes. Plant. <laughs> Tastes bad. Ooh. Tree. Look tree. Me no eat. You eat. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you get the idea. That's the whole game. No, sounds... I mean, it is. Except for if you accidentally say um, tasty or something that's two syllables, yeah. then, the, then the person on the other team gets to hit you with a stick yeah. <laughs> and yell no. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get your point. <laughs> okay. So it so, sounds yeah. adorable, but it also sounds like somebody would do something terrible with this. Like I could see, like I, I could. <laughs> <laughs> I I just see bad things in the future for this game, even though I think it'd be it's fantastic. ridiculous. But it yeah. is a lot of fun. I'm not gonna lie; it was a lot of fun to try to speak in single syllables, and you yeah. always do sound like a caveman. I didn't realize it until I tried it, and then I saw some. <laughs> I saw somebody. Uh, have you ever heard of Ninety Day Fiance? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> okay, God, I feel bad for you, but well, I mean, um, it's the guy I worked with. Uh, he loved Ninety Day Fiance, and it just disturbed me to no end. <laughs> it's freak. It's a it's a show about anyway people with ninety days. I think you can figure it out. Yeah, break up or get married. Anyway, there was a guy from Eastern Europe in it, and he was speaking in single syllables <laughs> in English on the show, and I couldn't, I couldn't stop laughing because I was like, "You kick ass and not, uh, poetry for the Andersels." <laughs> anyway, this is a game that my roommate got for, uh, for Christmas. For well, I can brother. see it's by the Exploding Kittens guy. Yeah, exactly. So they've got a series, something throw throw burrito and everything like that. Oh, they did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean. The game is not new. It's not innovative, but they've taken a new twist on it. And honestly, I don't. I'm not against it. Yeah, just fun. Hey, what what's that? That's UG Tech. So I just I uploaded into the Discord here the picture. So as you've got these phony blow up spiked clubs, <laughs> and you've got like borderline junk art stuff, and then that's what you're trying to get your team to build before the other team builds it. And you're just supposed oh, to okay. guide them with rudimentary commands and smack them <laughs> when they disobey. That's great. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, let, before we move on, I want to give it a try. You want to give it a try? Okay. Let's, let's do it live. I'll go first, and then you can think of a word and, and try to get me to guess. So I'm going to try to get you to guess a word. Okay. 
here's the thing. There's a word there for one point. If you get that, great. I will say yes to that word, and then I'll try to get you to guess a more complicated word, okay? Okay. Or like a phrase. Um, okay. Uh, uh, cave, rock carve, good. Look nice. A cave, rock, carve, good, look nice. Mine? Look, look nice for girl, girl, draw, cave. Draw, cave. <laughs> look nice. <laughs> yes, I legit don't know. <laughs> look, look nice, cave, girl. <laughs> look, look, draw, look, draw, think. Draw. Draw, think. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Interior designer? Like, <laughs> uh, no, I, I was trying to do art. Oh. <laughs> see, you're, see, you're making it you're making it too complicated for me. What's it? <laughs> All right, you try to do one. So think of any word. Yeah. Maybe not too complicated. And then try yeah, yeah. to do this with single syllables. Okay. Um uh it, this is this is this might be uh too easy um, okay. uh make picture click click oh i get somebody's gonna hit you with a no stick oh picture too many. picture yeah 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 right, but, but what do you again. think it is but camera yeah there you go so that's fine nice. hit me with the no stick hit me with the no stick it's the last thing you'll ever hit me with <laughs> i'll tell you that much <laughs> you'll no <laughs> snatch that sh- Snatch it like uh, Mr. Miyagi or something. <laughs> yeah, well, it so sounds that... it sounds adorable, and yeah. uh, I don't know. Was that something? Would that be one of our uh, my brand new category of uh, three beer games? You can't it's play it until you've had three beers. Definitely a three beer game. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny you mentioned the ninety day fiance thing because I was chatting with my friend who um, his in laws are. Um, are Serbian, and mm. he's been. He, he was talking about possibly trying to play a game or something with them over the break mm. or over the uh, the holidays because it's Serbian Christmas actually right now for the Eastern Orthodox Church. He's just trying to think about something to do, like to kind of make the time pass a bit uh, without just kind of sitting around like with a TV on and who knows. So we're we're going through lists in our heads of games we could theoretically play. And yep. it, it's way harder than it seemed, at least as far as I was concerned, trying to come up with something that would be uh, appropriate. So not only do you have uh, ESL sort of uh, like they can communicate no problem, but reading stuff is kind of stressful and it wouldn't be um, fun to do it. Uh, but you also need something that for people who are like non-gamers. So it has to be accessible uh, or at least immediately uh, understandable to people. And I couldn't think of a single thing. I'd have to go through the collection to see if there's anything down there. But can you think of anything, Joel? Mm. Like maybe Vegas? I would say, um, what's the one where you flip cards and when they match, you say, say the thing? Anomia. Anomia? Well, oof. Yeah, I guess so. That, that might work because that's language dependent. It's just... Um, oh, yeah, I guess it is a little heavy. But it is, it's I don't think like Anomia is too heavy. Words. But... That game breaks my brain, but uh, hmm. um, I'm sure Board Game Geek has something to say for us. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 
Well, nothing's coming to mind. I think that's what I was getting at because I initially was going to uh, say Concordia. code names, and I guess he no, no, thought no, no, of that no. too because he had played it. But not Concordia. Um, what was the tile placement one that you and Kayla did a ton of when you first? Oh, met? Karuba. No, no, when you first met. Like oh, old... Carcassonne. Carcassonne. Yeah, that's eh, too game. gamey though. It is language independent though. True. But I, maybe yeah, Karuba's too game. The problem is you want to stay away from be- something that's too gamey, mm-hmm. and uh, that you you can kind of tell like uh oh you can see people getting worried because <laughs> they don't want to sit there and think like they want to it has to be immediately understandable and that's why i think card games ultimately would be the answer like some universal card game that uh everyone could understand and i don't know if there is one like a lot of people understand poker a lot of people understand blackjack but beyond the gambling style games like mm-hmm. what crazy eight something kind of boring and lame and childish <laughs> go fish go fish so it's not easy it's not easy at all well, what have you been playing lately? Um, it has been... Uh, we, we had kind of an interesting uh, kind of the Shelf of Shame clearing event. And if you oh, are yeah. a member of the Guelph board game group, you'll see what I posted. Hmm. Um, but we got to play two games that um, had been haunting us for a bit, uh, some more than others. And um, so I'll start with the one that's uh, jumping out at me right as I'm saying this, and that is a game called Elysium. Mm-hmm. And it is a uh, something that has been around on our shelf for, uh, f- I think I said four plus years. Picked it up from the Dragon uh, when they were having a, a clearance event of sorts because I think this game had been sitting there for a long time and it was being sold for like, I don't know if it's 50% off or even more, but it was just a wild deal considering what the, the price normally was. And it looked interesting. And uh, Z Garcia from the Dice Tower um, I think he's put it up there on his list as one of his favorite games of all time. I don't I, I, like spoiler alert. I wouldn't necessarily go that far after our first play, but I could see how like maybe a while ago, or if this is one of the first games you ever played of its type, you might agree with that. But anyway, the premise is it's uh, ultimately it's a tableau builder set in the the world of like Greek mythology, and I described it as um, reminding me of uh, unfair in the setup style in which you choose the decks you want to use and it's based on your player count and each deck is based on one of the Greek gods so you'd be throwing Hades or Ares or Athena or Zeus and into the mix and they all do different things or they're all better at stuff and what you're trying to do is you're trying to and it kind of has this Valley of the Kings feel to it as well because you're you're buying these cards and you're putting them and you can only use these cards when they're on the top of your tableau but they're not worth any points, and so you put them to your bottom uh, of the tableau. So you have to balance using cards for your engine, but also understanding when you have to shift gears and shove these cards into the bottom. So kind of like the tomb? Exactly. It's like uh, entombing. And uh, the the method of it is kind of similar to it as well in the sense of that you get rewarded for having um, sets of the same number, Mm -hmm. and you get rewarded for having runs of uh the same color so you have to put them in in the same order or is it no just like the game is very very friendly about that it, it would be a nightmare if you had to have them like in a specific order but you can yeah. you can rearrange them as you see fit cool um so anyway that's the premise and uh it, it moves super quickly um the it's a little confusing at first but after you do i think a single round you go oh i get it and then it just it moves that but there are so many cards that i think if you if you wanted to, I think this game could have tons and tons of replay value. Um, 
especially depending on how you're mixing up these decks and um, maybe which ones are coming up. And I got as a as a Christmas present from Kayla this year. She got me like an automatic card shuffler, and we immediately were using this thing constantly throughout the Sweet. Christmas break and beyond. It's work. It, it works, Joel. It's fantastic. Like we were using it in Splendor, and I just like when I was doing it, and it, like my cards are sleeved even. And I'm pushing, and they're, they're shuffling. I'm just staring at Kale with this giant smile on my face because it's mm. <laughs> not that they're that difficult to shuffle, good, but it's man. just. It feel, pardon me. Feels good, man. It feels yeah. good, man. Hundred yeah. percent. So anyway, uh, Elysium. If we we both had a good time, went by quicker than I thought. Um, the the game itself, I think, if I had to rank it right now, I'd give it a solid B minus in term because I didn't find it very thrilling, but I thought it was interesting. Hmm. And maybe with more plays, it could really develop itself. My only issue is it feels a little dull and maybe a little, um, uh, maybe a little um, long for what you're getting out of it. But um, at the end of the day, I'm happy I played it, and uh, I, I, and it, it's an interesting uh, addition to the whole tableau builder world. And I think if you if you like tableau builders and you like Greek mythology, then this is a no brainer. But um, it's there. There's so many of these types of games now that it's tough to really say that it's better than newer games that are out there but uh the components are nice the insert is questionable uh in terms of its quality and uh I i'm not sure why if they know what they were doing pardon me why you say that it, you know how splendor has this issue where the components like no matter what you oh, do they're gonna come popping go out. everywhere yeah and i think a lot water deep is a similar issue doesn't it yep yeah it, it's the issue with this one isn't necessarily that, but stuff does poke up, and the box doesn't close properly when everything's in it. So I don't know how they designed this. Like when I opened it, the the like the game came wrapped, and it, there's already some um, a gap between the lid and the box. So this is with everything taken out. So I think the bottom line is their insert is just they it's just too big, or it's too tall. And if they had shrunk it a bit, it would fit better. But as it stands, it's uh, it's one of those things you look at. And it's like ugh, it's popped, it's popping up a bit, and it's. Just how long do these things sit on your shelf? Just curious. The, this one has been four years, probably. Four years? Yeah, yeah. It came out 2015. You got it right away and just. Well, maybe not right away, but I got it. Whatever it was, I saw it at Dragon when it was on sale yeah. a while ago and I picked it up. So. Um, what is, like, is there any games on your shelf that you just don't think you'll ever play? Mm. Not really. I, I want to say no because there's the reason they're there in the first place is that I want to play it. It's just like there's there there might be a couple on there that maybe because I, I bought some stuff off a guy in Alberta who had this huge collection and that's where I got a bunch of things from. And uh, I was he was just selling them for all sorts of crazy prices and I was just grabbing stuff that looked remotely interesting. So there might be some things from that that I could see maybe just donating to. Uh, I don't know, like um, I, I don't know where John and these guys donate their games to, but somewhere that, like, as long as it's not just going to sit in somebody else's shelf, like maybe some kid or somewhere would would play it. Um, so there might be a couple there, but generally speaking, the the reason they're there is because I want to. The the main issue in Elysium, there's no reason for this one, um, because it it works at two perfectly fine, but there's a lot of three player minimum stuff down there that that stares at me, Joel, because it's very difficult to yeah make an effort to do that without oh. making like i don't have to tell you but you gotta do you, think you gotta really sleep at night <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can't sleep that's why i sleep so poorly is because i know about all the three-player games that uh well i've got good news for you then 
Okay. So I was worried about you, you know, and your uh-huh. sleep. I yeah. know that, I know you've been losing a lot of sleep about not being able to play certain games uh, because you can only ever get Kayla to play with you because nobody else wants to. Uh-huh. So I have good news for you. Okay. Uh, Aaliyah has released an official two-player version of Puerto Rico. Finally, <laughs> oh, rest and they, and it bamboozled uh, Sam. So she bought the expansion. It's it's called First and Second Expansion for Puerto Rico. Okay. She bought it because on the box it says, you know, two to five players, and she thought, okay, this expansion uh, play two. No. Players. <laughs> because Aaliyah had done like an official here. If you're playing Puerto Rico, yeah, yeah, change the rules. Yeah. So it didn't do anything for us. It's just a bunch of new buildings. Well, it, oh, but we yeah. gave it a try, and it wasn't bad. It was it was basically the same thing, but you know, very various other options. Does Puerto Rico not play two? No. Well, originally it was three to five. I can see why you wouldn't want to do it, but I, I'm astounded that it doesn't. But I get, uh, but because like the person who takes the main action gets a better one, and the per- the follow up is weaker. Correct. Okay, then why does that not work? I don't understand. Oh, that's probably fine. I think the the variant basically, or the the errata from a dummy player from Puerto Rico lets you just take three turns each. Oh, okay, sure. It's just basically just taking turns in the first place, but then the rest of the actions that weren't used get coins on them for the next time. Well, all right. Well, speaking of, um, so. This this kind of dovetails nicely into two other things. So the the other game from the Shelf of Shame was uh, something that I've wanted to play for a long time, but I was scared away because even though it says two players, I, I know his tricks, and it's it's a mission to a mission Red Planet by from Bruno Cathala, and this is another uh, well not another but we mentioned earlier, but this is the FFG reprint from a couple of years ago, and. Um, this one had been sitting on the shelf for a while, and I think the main reason was I, I've always wanted to play it, and I heard great things. And I think this is another yeah, Z Garcia that he wanted to that he was a big fan of, but he's a huge Bruno Cathala fan. Mm-hmm. But the the you just look at the nature of the game, you're like, oh, this would lend itself better to more players. And the, the end, like long story short, is I could it would be way better with more players. But mm. um, the, the reason why we we're scared away is that Cathala games, because technically Cyclades could be played at two players, but it just means yeah. you're. You're taking on, I, I think you'd, you'd take two different gods each sure. time. And to me, that doesn't feel the same at all. Like, it defeats yeah. the whole purpose of the game. Um, but anyway, the, the, the premise of... might be combos, too. Yeah, of course. And who knows? Maybe it's a fantastic game. It's just not... I, I hate two-player auctions, generally, unless they're done really well. And to me, it just seems like it'd be too clumsy and just, like, swinging a huge hammer versus, like, trying to stab precisely with a stiletto like you do in the, the normal game. But... Uh, so Mission Red Planet is set in a, a kind of a steampunk uh, universe where you're colonizing uh, Mars. And what happens is that based on the player count, you have a bunch of rocket ships that uh, are going to be heading to different sections of Mars. And the, the board of Mars looks a lot like the Dune map. And there's different sections of it. Hmm. And uh, there's the, the areas are important. It's very cute looking. It, it's absolutely adorable. And everyone like keep, has a... Almost. Pardon me? Almost looks like Small World. I guess, yeah. And uh, everyone has their own uh, adorable little uh, Martian meeples that are very well crafted and they're, they're decent weight to them as well. But it, um, 
the main the game is played through the single deck of cards uh, numbered through uh, nine through one, <clears throat> and you can every turn you pick one of these cards to play, and the cards usually have interactions between two parts of the the game, which is um, it does something involving getting your astronauts onto a rocket ship in varying amounts of, of numbers and maybe on varying amounts of rockets as well. Uh, and it also affects uh, your astronauts that are on Mars already. <laughs> so the rockets are all labeled with different places, and when the rocket is filled and they have a number on them that indicates how many astronauts it can hold, as soon as there's enough astronauts on that ship, it takes off. And at the end of the round, it lands wherever it's going to go, and the astronauts are distributed right there. And Wait, then it becomes you a, do a hazard roll when you parachute down. <laughs> no, thank God. Oh my God. You're giving me PTSD this just thinking about it. Frontier, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. This is, I guess it's like, is, is related to High Frontier is it, they're both board games and they're space. That's what I'd say. <laughs> but uh, after, so after you guys, our astronauts are on Mars, it turns into an area control game. And uh, you, there are three scoring rounds, and whoever is the majority in these locations gets uh, a resource chit based on who, what your majority area uh, gives you. And that will happen three different times. And the second time, you get two chits, and the third time, you get three chits. So um, unless I was misreading that, and you don't get three times, and it's just the same amount over and over, which would make more sense. It's possible you misread that rule now that I'm thinking about it. But... Uh, mm. Anyway, the, the, the meat of the game is that, so this is where the comparisons to, uh, I think I was telling Joel that it, it, it reminded me of Tammany Hall meets Citadels and that, so all these cards are different, but the cards will only trigger when their number comes up. Mm. So if you play a one card and I play a four card, my four card will trigger before your one comes up and you want to try to anticipate what your opponents are going to do. And they descending? can- Yeah, in descending. So- and similar to Concordia, if you're low on cards, you can play the uh, basically the Tribune card, in this case, which is a recruiter, which you take your turn to grab your cards all back up into your hand again, and you just get like you get to put one astronaut in a ship or something. So it's this really interesting game of timing what you're doing and anticipating what your opponents are going to do. And are you going to piggyback off their ships and just get a single guy there? Are you going to try to stack ships completely? Are you going to send ships before they should go and just... Uh, you know, laugh at them. Are you going to change their course? There's even an option to blow ships up that are docked, and ah. it could be, it could be absolutely mean and chaotic. But there's this, there's this brinkmanship and kind of how friendly do we want to be to each other? And then, are you going to start a war on Mars itself? Are you going to start murdering people over there and like moving your troops all over the map and stuff? So there's so much going on, and it played so quickly. And because we were playing at two, we both had a dummy player that. They could both still win, but you're basically you could bully them as much as you want and make them make poor decisions. But they had to be putting their stuff on ships and on Mars itself. So, um, it, it, the dummy players in this, I normally hate having dummy players. In this, it worked out fine. It was a little, a little more work, but it still was very, very nice. And I am so happy we finally got to play this because I think it's a, it's a gem. I had a ton of fun with it, and it may not be the most sophisticated game, but it's. It is uh, a, a bundle of joy as far as um, what board games are trying to do. And I think with full player count, it could be lots of people just laughing and screaming at each other. So Sounds like it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, let's all get together and play it. Yeah, let's, well, no kidding, right? So anyway, those were, those were the two uh, ones we 
um, finally got to play, and we we're very excited to do so. And uh, aside from that, it's been a race for the galaxy, or roll for the galaxy online, which uh, um, I like the art, but none of these people look fit to make it to Mars. It's <laughs> <laughs> like some uh, some guy selling like uh, snake oil at the back of his truck, saying like, "Hey, I've got a Martian spaceship for you." Yeah, they they all have the the art style is very interesting. They all kind of look like Rocketeer uh, extras or something. So, Rocketeer yeah. um, salesmen. All right. Well, why don't we take a musical break then? Uh, and when we come back, we will 100% talk about D&D because I'm sure Joel has a lot to say. And oh yeah, we can really do a, uh, I don't know how far we are into it, but Joel can do an X percent uh, <laughs> review of Saltmarsh. Sure. So see you in a second.
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was, I'm not even sure yet, because I, to be honest, I haven't queued up the music, and I'm just going to put it in later. Uh, oh, I hated that song. What? Well, I loved it, so you're out of your mind. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just uh, I'm going to come up with something uh, while Joel talks about uh, D&D, uh, yeah. Ghosts of Saltmarsh. Well, speaking of D&D, we're really having some music problems, right? I mean... It's it's just one of the many issues that comes with playing Dungeons and Dragons online, because surprise, we're not meeting up to collectively pretend we're uh, we're going on Roll20.net, which is a great platform, and hey, it's free. So what are you gonna do? You can pay but for it, though. You can pay for it, and I uh, I was thinking actually of oh really out a couple bucks for the pro version because. Why not? Uh, you know, I, we've been using it so much, and my, and then uh, you you get a few benefits, but it's it's not cheap. I don't know. Well, I how much is it? Is it a monthly fee? A couple bucks at it, and then uh, see. There's, I think there's three tiers. Um, surely there's something here for pay. This this is the song I will yeah, choose. Description. Here we go. Okay, go for it. Tangled roots, rusted blades, skeletal remains. From Fen Walker's latest album, Hark, the Whispering Dead of the Burial Lake. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And what, what, how appropriate that would have been today. Yeah. Uh, when we were swarmed by uh, skeletons uh, coming up out of sand dunes and then. Sand dunes. Not quite swamp, but. <laughs> yeah. Forming into, into bigger skeletons and then into a giant skeletal juggernaut, which one hit our wizard. <laughs> <laughs> as he bravely stood in front of it he <laughs> was too brave to run away what did he say he said i didn't think it was gonna do it be that bad <laughs> 35 <laughs> feet tall and lumbering towards him i don't know if he wasn't paying attention or if it's just yeah and then he was saving spell slots too it's it's one of those things where it's just like i don't know maybe it's maybe like rpg thing where you're always saving your item yeah, yeah, it's like you you show up with uh, all your recovery items and full health items, and the game ends. You're like, why did I grind through the worst parts of the game? Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, roll twenty is fifty bucks a year, and a hundred bucks a year for their pro version. But what does it get you? You get uh, all access character vault, which it would be pretty cool. Uh, you can like have unlimited um, sort of icons that you get to use. Okay. No load screen ads, which who cares? I don't see them uh, anyway. Extra upload storage. Shared table features. Dynamic lighting. Who cares? Um, and compendium sh- sharing, whatever that is. Oh, and you can oh you can look for groups in the free version. So, yeah, it's, it's not going to get me. Although, if you do get the pro version, you can do API stuff and dev servers and stuff like that. So, you could really get into the code if you were into it. Yeah, I'm happy with the free version. Uh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> I'd be happier with in person. But anyway, yeah. you want to review a salt marsh? Well, why don't you? Master? Well, you've been yeah. So without spoiling too much for people who want to play it, although this might be impossible, so I don't know what to say. But why don't you do a your impressions? Because you've run a, a, several campaigns now, and you've played a lot of D and D. And you're looking at this from you've opened up the hood and you've been tinkering around inside and you you know all the tricks and traps that are coming our way. 
but you also see our reaction to it. So what are your thoughts of the Ghosts of Saltmarsh? And yeah, I mean, I'm still learning as a DM, so it's good to have... Uh, it's good. To, this is the first time I've ever done a structured campaign. I've done a lot of homebrew um, where I've just made everything, and I think the first time was a little nuts. The second time was a little bit more scaled back, but still like rushing and and um, and definitely railroading a lot. This one feels really good because it gives you the opportunity to do or not do a lot of quests, and then just gives you like a lot of options for random quests. But there's still like an overarching story. You're still um, you're still being put through the motions, as it were. Uh, chapter by chapter. So, Salt Ghost of Salt Marsh uh, is takes place in the Greyhawk area, which is not like your typical Fey run that everybody else is playing D and D in. It's kind of like a more, it's an older thing. It's the really classic from original um, Mr. Gygax and his friends back in the 70s and 80s. So a lot of the stories are from like 1980 to 2000. A couple from like 2001, 2005. Each of the chapters, when you play them, is actually a unique adventure, um, which you could think of this. I think I saw somebody describe it as like um, Tales from the Yawning Portal, which is sort of like you go into a bar in in Waterdeep and you get ported to a, to an adventure. Um, is sort of like Dungeons and Dragons Greatest Hits. And they say that Ghost of Saltmarsh is a themed compendium. <laughs> I think that perfectly describes it. It's basically, they took like seven of their favorite uh, seafaring or coastal-based adventures and put them together into a sequential story. Mm, interesting. And so basically, it's, they're all individual adventures written by different um, authors. Uh. Uh, and they've all been lined up. And they say, like, this is a good way for you to play it. But play them in any order or play one, play another. You know, you can welcome to do these as one shots. And uh, I love it. I really like Ghost of Salt Marsh and the way that it gives you, like, an entire chapter just fleshing out the city, like, with no progress, no missions, anything in it, just an entire chapter of information hmm. about buildings. Every building has a big paragraph and description. Every major character, even some of the minor characters, uh, how the city operates, you know, you should roll for random events for each of these factions. Um, it's set up of this really cool and like believable political structure where there's sort of like these traditionalists, which like you can think of it kind of like the American Civil War in a sense of like there's these uh, agrarian uh, working people that have just been kind of like living off the land and don't want anything to change. And they've also sort of dabbled in some harmless smuggling. <laughs> it doesn't hurt anyone. And then the kingdom, which has like been expansive for so much time and like has been all successful and ignored salt marsh for like a hundred years or something. Finally, also all of a sudden, you know, they're like, well, we need to shore up our assets because they're not doing so well up North. All of a sudden, they come back and they're like, well, you know, you guys need to behave. You guys need to not smuggle and everything. And so <laughs> it creates this tension. And then also there's like a racial tension because the dwarves are sent there by the kingdom. And there were never any dwarves there before. 
so it's not I'm not just hamming it up with all this anti-dwarf sentiment. <laughs> it's it's baked in. It's like the dwarves represent the kingdom kind of mm-hmm. oppressing the locals. And the locals are resistant to that, you know. So yeah, I love Saltmarsh and the way they spent so much time designing the city. And you can just, you know, you can just freewheel with that and all the factions that they give it and obviously the secret faction, which I won't mention. But let me I gotta interrupt for a second because what you're describing though, that is this something be daunting for uh, either a brand new or maybe um, still green DM because there's just so much information here that it could be just overwhelming and kind of uh, maybe setting yourself up for a bad time? Yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad you mentioned it. And I'm also, I wanted to mention it just for you as a player. What do you think of Salt Marsh for a new player? Well, it's tough because I, I don't think we've done, aside from our incident in the uh, Crabber's Cove area, I think there's, we really haven't gone off the rails, at least as far as I feel like, um, at least not doing anything too outrageous. Um, True, but like also, like how many times has somebody been knocked out? Well, that's it. So I don't, I'm not sure if it's just the game itself, some bad luck, or or what, or like it's a screwed up challenge rating system for level one. I think that Salt Marsh is extremely hard, and I'm not I'm not just saying that. Like I am doing it like exactly as the book tells me to do it, except yeah. for one thing, which everybody on the forums say, which is you must, 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 must over level your players by an entire level, or yeah. they will never survive. And can you imagine? if you were actually a level down in all of these different scenarios? Well, all right. So I'm going to be a little mean here and say for, for everyone else, yes, that might be tough. I <laughs> haven't noticed as much because the way it's yeah. been set up is my character is this, well, like is this how washbuckler. Well, if there were four of you, yeah. you know, would you have a chance? Because yes, you could dodge infinitely, but like, how would you make it through, right? Like, Well, that's, yeah, exactly. So and it'd be like, okay, after the tanks are down and the wizard was knocked out three rounds ago, like what I'd run away and that'd be the end of the the encounter. And it'd be like, Oh, well that was fun, I guess. (laughs) So it it does. I'm not saying it's not difficult. I'm just saying I'm not feeling it as much personally. Um, especially because the, this, the, um, I don't, they don't even call sneak attack anymore. Attack of opportunity or whatever they call it, uh, is just like, I think, sorry, you're immune. Well, yeah, and it's like I feel like I'm doing plenty of damage too, uh, and I, I can hit. I can, plus six to hit isn't insane, but most of the time I feel like I'm participating. Yep. So, it, I'm not feeling that, but I I know exactly what you're saying. But it was just it was a grind. Like in level one's always a grind every time. Yeah. But the amount of times that there was just like nearly wiping completely off of something that should have been a mundane encounter for all for all intents and purposes uh, is wild. But I I don't know, Joel. Yeah, and uh, well, as a D, as a DM too, I would say it is not a. F- it's it shouldn't be your first. Um, it it is complicated. There's a lot of information that you got balance. Uh, I think the adventures themselves are actually pretty easy, although, like, when I think back to to Dunwater, and I won't I won't get into details about what happens in Dunwater because I don't want yeah. to spoil this for anything. Yeah. But there were a lot of different things to manage. You know. Uh-huh. As far as the the people you're talking to, 
the people that you're fighting yeah and what is going to happen between them and everything like that and there could you know things could go very wrong (laughs) you gotta be careful you gotta give your party the right messages before leaving and things like that kind of like give them an idea of what they're coming into yeah and i could see a lot of leroy jenkins types (laughs) uh, just just getting a total party kill right like i and, and i see it on the forums one of the things I'll say about Salt Marsh, it has a huge community supporting it, loving it behind it. Uh, you know, it's all on Reddit for me, but it has been like amazing how much um, people are really embracing this campaign as like mm-hmm. a as like a high end, complicated campaign where they're like taking it and running with it and doing all this crazy other different stuff with it. So I've I've really enjoyed it. The so just a quick aside here is that I. Um, have started doing the Storm King's Thunder, which our uh, friend of the show, Mark, ran for us. It feels like two years ago, maybe three. Um, and we had an insane... I think there were like six people. Were there six people in our party? Yeah, it was too many. It was way too many because I, I we were just... And I don't know whether he was being nice to us too, but we were just steamrolling every encounter. I don't think there's there was any moment where I felt... Action uh, economy. Yeah, it, it's just absurd. But... Um, I was I'm doing it and I have there are three people uh in the party and I was telling Joel that uh level 1's deadly but I don't remember when we played since there were six of us being nearly this deadly and uh just like a single goblin could potentially like take you out with just yeah. like two successful hits and if everyone just misses which is super easy to do um but it, it salt marsh just feels like that times three, mm-hmm. especially with these swarming enemies, which we've oh. been talking about this entire time. The yep. the game loves swarms of enemies that <laughs> you do half damage to, and <laughs> like you hit them, and then now they're attached to you. It's like it's ridiculous. Yeah. And, then, and like yeah, you could maybe like wall off or something, but nope, they can share your space and they can just yeah. go right through you. Yeah, yeah. Just the, and it's some of it's just ridiculous. Like in the first encounter with the, this is a bit of a spoiler here. So in case you really want to go in totally blind, but I don't think anyone will remember this. But there's this kitchen sink, and you can look at it, and, and centipedes or whatever <laughs> come out or something. And what do the centipedes do? Are they they don't they have an attack? Like, oh, like is it a poison ta- damage or something? So they do like a normal like okay, that's fine. And then yeah. you make a dexterity save, and if you fail a dexterity save, you basically take death damage because yeah. it's like. 3d8 or something so their original damage is a d4 plus two yeah. fine right that's still maximum a decent amount maximum six damage that'd be like half your health yeah the and then additional e- e- 3d8. poison damage is 3d6 minimum three damage yeah if you fail so that. it goes from maximum six damage to minimum three maximum 18 plus yeah. the original six which is is actually going to kill like you know you have your maximum health is eight you could go negative 16 negative 24 and go fully dead not not unconscious and it that, that's the source way. yeah and that's the sort of stuff especially the circumstances in which it shows up too that that turns players into like neurotic messes is as i think because <laughs> everything turns into like uh i i lean to the side open up the cupboard or i I yeah. uh, like I open up the chest from a distance with a pole while everyone else run like, into the other room. <laughs> yeah, and it's like 
you can only do that so many times before you, it's exhausting. And I think Tomb of Annihilation is a perfect example of that nonsense, but that's legendary. Um, but it not, I, I think recently it seems to have been toned down. Maybe it was just whoever designed that first one. I don't know if it was Gygax. <laughs> it was Gygax. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Then there you so go. Gygax, <laughs> you you played play this. Uh, what was the one that we did? Uh, I thought that was a Tomb of Annihilation. The yeah. Tomb Horror is the most famous, most brutal, hated, most difficult campaign or mission in all of D&D. Yeah. Gary Gygax, the, the haunted ha mansion was like that, like if it was a Diet Coke or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> but I nerfed it a little. And that, that, that was the thing, is you guys were trying to do that three players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And I had you a level over. Yeah. It was like, imagine, yeah. Anyway, D&D is hard, but Salt Marsh is harder. Let's yeah. just put it that way. But, uh, so now that we're at a decent enough stage, like what are your thoughts of uh, how it's been going uh, from your DM perspective and like how much prep do you think you need to invest at, before every session to make it feel like you're, you're totally prepared? Good. I think, uh, yeah, when I'm prepared, uh, things go better. I talked about this. It's just, it's just, just a general thing with D and D uh, you really, you get out of it, what you put in. I'd say I do about, uh four hours a week spread out over the week that's pretty good to just kind of like i i read the book and then i'll watch you know sly flourish oh Lazy you videos? yeah he 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 did salt marsh okay. and his videos are basically like how his campaign is going and what he learned from each of the sessions and what he would do differently and stuff which is invaluable and then there's a couple campaigns that are streamed live, and if I have time, I'll I'll watch certain sections and certain combats and see how so, they respond to them. I just another interruption for anyone who doesn't know, Sly Flourish got it. If you have if you like D and D or you want to play or you want to DM for for whatever reason because you're a masochist, look at his stuff. Follow him on Twitter. Go to his website. Uh, watch his videos. I didn't know he had videos. Um, his he is. I don't know. Maybe there are some people out there who hate him and call him a hack or something. I think he's fantastic. And he points yeah. you to other people too. And he'll, he's more than happy to say like, Oh, check out this guy's like guide for storm King's thunder and check out this guy's recommendations to fix these sorts of things. He's so, I think he's fantastic and seems yeah. like a nice guy. So yeah, I should mention, I also read his articles. <laughs> I, read, I read it for the articles. And then, uh, yeah, you know, I read, <laughs> I'm quite an avid reader. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, on top of that, you got you know, you know you got to read the campaign, and then you got to watch a few things that'll help you kind of get the juices flowing as far as getting your own ideas. And then you got to go in and you got to kind of finish that up. And that goes into for us, obviously, going into roll twenty and building maps and putting the characters into the maps so that you're ready to enact what you've decided to do. I had a really good walk yesterday with a friend of mine and we spent, we went walk for an hour and a half and we spent the entire time talking about the salt marsh campaign. I filled them in on all the things that were going on and asked them what I should do. And they gave me some really good input. And as they're giving me input, I'm getting my own ideas and it was really awesome. I think there's like a lot of cool, um, there's a lot of cool creativity out of just brainstorming D&D &D ideas with another person. Hmm. 
especially if they're not involved in the campaign. Sure. So yeah, there's a lot of time that goes into DMing, and then the actual DMing itself is a tiny portion of that, but it feels really good when uh, when you have a good session, which I think tonight was a pretty good session, even though it was pretty simple. For me, some skeletons appear, some more skeletons appear. Well, that's that's the only thing I'll say. Like It, it felt a little, like, you know, you must feel it too as DMing, Joel, when you're sitting yeah. there and it's like, how long has this fight been going on? It's just the same thing, just like hitting skeletons over and over. And they're not the most dynamic enemies, so it's not like you can have fun with it necessarily. Like, oh, the skeleton dynamically backflips over here and starts dangerous. throwing rocks at you. And I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they're they're the pretty much the most boring enemy aside from maybe a zombie. Yeah, right. Same thing, right? But uh, turn undead was effective, and uh, yeah, you guys got through. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's enough for today, and uh, I, we'll do another uh, catch up. I think as we get further through this, because I'm really excited to see the. Because I don't know if we mentioned it, but we're going to this island that we've basically been we were warned away from early in the session in the campaign <laughs> yeah. uh, for good reason. You're uh, not ready. And now we're there, and we're we're kind of getting ready to take care of some business. It's a little spooky. I love the idea of it. Just, I love uh, islands with ruins on it, and. Uh, like lighthouses are the greatest thing in the world so we're, we're in pretty good shape uh, yeah. so I, I imagine there's going to be way more undead and we're going to be dealing with some some punks but uh, I think we're, we're, we're going to be pretty ready and as long as nobody gets any truly awful roles or some silly ganks I think, uh, I think we're going to be having some good times in the future here so thank yeah. you for DMing Joel I know it's a lot of work and I hopefully you get uh, at least as much out of it as we get in, or we get from it. So. It's one of the highlights of my week, I'd say. That's really nice. That's great. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 9 through 3 FM or your uh, favorite podcasting website. You can check us out on Twitter at 80 Radio CFRU or on Instagram at, uh, I think it's probably uh, Android's Dungeon. If you just search that on Instagram, I don't think you're going to find too much. Maybe some Simpsons fan sites. I could be wrong. Uh, Joel, do you have anything you want to shill before we, we close out the show? Um, was that Crap Guide to D&D? Hilarious. Oh. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, Crap Guide to D&D. Look at it on YouTube. The guy is... I think he's made a name for himself, so don't. he's doing fine. But uh, look up his videos. The DM one, I think, is it was hilarious. Yeah. So. All right, have a good night, and uh, we'll talk to you in the next week, I guess. So talk yeah. to you later. Take care.